Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. I'm your host, Colin Zhu, and thank you for listening on. We have a wonderful, wonderful guest for you guys today. This is Dr. Cecily Ganhart. Say hi to everyone, Cecily. Hi. Hope everyone's doing well. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Yeah, we're happy to have you on the show. Uh, Where are you calling from? So I am coming from uh, Overland Park, Kansas. It's a suburb right outside of Kansas City. Ooh, okay, nice, nice. And I think that's, um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is that central time zone? Yes, yep. Okay, excellent. Um, So for those of you guys who do not know who Dr. Cecily is, uh, she is a board-certified OBGYN uh, with subspecialties in maternal fetal medicine and also obesity medicine. And uh, she is a speaker and uh, her main claim to fame, quote unquote, is uh, she was able to kind of combat um, her own health journeys um, using intermittent fasting. And uh, she is uh, a lot of accolades to her. She's not only a physician, but she's a loving wife and mother of three. And she loves what she does. So um, Cecily, thank you again for being on the show. Um, first question is, I love hearing about people's stories and people's journeys. I really think that's really the centerpiece of why people do the things they do, you know, and um, I love to hear your perspective on, you know, how you got here, you know, uh, take us a little bit of a snippet on how you got into medicine and then, um, you know, how did you get to this point? Okay, sure. So just in terms of uh, getting into medicine, since I was a child, I had an interest in, um, I think it came from shadowing my pediatrician, honestly, through childhood. So um, I thought I was going to um, become a pediatrician, uh, went to medical school, and during med school, we have a chance to rotate through different clinical rotations. So you can kind of get a taste of everything, exposed to different um, specialties. And that's where I found um, OBGYN. And then in, within OB-GYN, um, also uh, rotated in maternal fetal medicine, which mm-hmm. is someone who deals with high-risk pregnancies. So that's kind of what led me um, down that path. And then um, in 2000, uh, I guess it'd be 2019 is when I took the obesity medicine board. So just this year, mm-hmm. um, I took those um, because of kind of my own struggles that I had in the past with obesity. Um, my weight has fluctuated up and down for most of my, I'd say, from high school through adult life. Um, and at the birth of my second son in 2000. 
14, um, when I had him, I was the heaviest that I'd ever been in adulthood. And I was uh, just a little over 260 pounds when I Mm. had him at the time. So imagine I had you know, several conditions that go along with obesity, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, metabolic syndrome. And for those who may not be familiar with that, there are different components of metabolic syndrome. The ones that I would have had to actually meet the clinical diagnosis um, would have been blood pressure abnormalities, abnormalities in my uh, abdominal waist circumference. And then I was also pre-diabetic. So that kind of lumps in together with that um, mm-hmm, syndrome. Mm-hmm. So, um, had my son, um, and was able to lose, um, probably close to 60 pounds here and there, you know, total over like the next two or three years, but then it would always come back. And so in 2017, I was back up to around like 230 plus or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I read a book called The Obesity Code um, by Dr. Jason Fung, who's kind of, um, I think he's probably the most well-known name in intermittent fasting right now. He uh, has popularized it more so and gotten it into mainstream media. Um, But I read his book and decided to give it a try because that pretty much had been the only thing I'd never tried um, Mm -hmm. at that point, short of, um, you know, weight loss surgery. So I tried that and um, was able to lose, um, oh goodness, now it's like 60 plus pounds from where I was at at that time. Um, so I really, um, think it's a powerful tool and I've, um, from my own success and then doing more research on it, have started to implement that, um, in my own clinic and women who, um, are interested in losing weight before pregnancy so that they can decrease their Mm. pregnancy risk. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of my, uh, kind of special thing that I do now, aside from my, um, you know, regular clinic practice. Mm. So you basically help people, um, you know, lose weight, um, you know, at least going towards a healthy weight range, um, or gain, uh, while they're, you know, pregnant, um, or do you get them, you know, losing as much weight before they get pregnant? Right. So before they get pregnant, um, mm. I try to get them, uh, losing as much weight as they can prior to pregnancy. Uh, and then, what we do also with um, intermittent fasting, we also focus on nutrition. And you'll hear different things about um, people saying, you know, as long as you do intermittent fasting, you can eat whatever you want. And there are some people who lose weight with that. But what I try to get um, the people I work with to do prior to pregnancy, since we don't recommend intermittent fasting in pregnancy, if Mm -hmm. you haven't changed up your diet at least a little bit, do you know what I mean? Incorporating Mm -hmm. um, more plants or healthy fats or whatever, you know, whatever you choose to do. If you haven't done that, you're going to have a hard time controlling your weight gain during pregnancy because Mm -hmm. you can't use intermittent fasting during pregnancy to control your weight gain. Mm -hmm. So we um, combine both, but it, it definitely heavily relies on intermittent fasting. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, before we go more heavy into that, um, because it is a, you know, popular topic now. Yeah. So in between your pregnancies and deliveries of your children and trying to, you know, stay having the, the weight, you know, stay off, you know, did you feel, you know, that, you know, you, did you feel any symptoms Were did, um, 
Did any components of, um, you know, when you were carrying the extra weight, like, did it slow you down at all? Um, you know, did you uh, incorporate any physical activity um, before you decided that intermittent fasting was kind of like the last thing you wanted to try? Yeah, so I would say things that I noticed, um, just I would have more aches and pains. Um, I did, I've always, you know, incorporated physical activity, but I think the problem was uh, just with the kind of calorie counting, at least for me, kind of calorie counting lifestyle, you know, okay, I'd go eat three miles. And so my fitness pal now tells me I can eat X amount of calories because I burn those excess calories, but the, the estimates aren't accurate. So, I mean, I think probably like lots of other people, you go and you work out and then you're like, Oh great. Now I can have a brownie. And then it's like, cause I earned it. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. you just kind of undid everything that you, right, right. you know, that you did. And then, um, another thing for me that I think kind of hindered, uh, me was the, um, kind of artificial sweeteners in beverages like diet pop and, and, you know, other sodas or whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we call them sodas in the I'm, North. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm like, I, I know there's different, different terms. I'm, I'm originally from New Jersey. I'm calling from LA, but I'm originally from New Jersey. We call them sodas. <laughs> yes, yes. So I, I want to say probably only people from like, I'm originally from Michigan. So I think like Michigan, Illinois, we say pop and mm-hmm. maybe a few other Midwest states and everyone like soda. <laughs> no, it's always uh, quite fun to hear how people say different things. <laughs> but I would drink um, diet pop a lot and I thought I was being healthy, right? It's zero mm-hmm. calories, but we now have more studies and I, probably those studies were around too when I was doing it and I just hadn't read them yet, but um, how, you know, uh, diet drinks can induce cravings later on and people end up consuming more later on in the day in terms of calories and food content mm-hmm. when they're um, drinking diet beverages that they were probably better off if they had just had the real beverage, you know, right. in, in the first spot. But, you know, so you keep drinking that. So I had like, you know, even though I would incorporate physical activity, I had several unhealthy habits. And so that in itself, I think, is why I had, you know, the yo-yo that many people yeah. experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, obesity is, uh, and that's why, you know, um, it's not, it's it's a relatively new subspecialty, uh, so mm-hmm. to speak, but, you know, it's such a complex, um, it's not, it's not as simple as, eating poorly and not moving enough. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of different components to obesity. So I don't want my, you know, uh, audience members to think that, um, I mean, we're going to talk more about it, but, and we're going to use, you know, we're going to, you know, say that, you know, fasting could be a tool, you know, but we want to make sure that we look at the whole picture, you know, at the same time. So, um, so the, okay. So this is great. So, um, you know, so from that, did you, once you discovered, you know, fasting, um, what did you notice over time? Like, did the weight drop immediately? Did it gradually drop off? Or, you know, and how did your symptoms, did they improve? Yeah. So for me, I, because I think this is another thing that people get discouraged about. They'll see all of these people who lost like a hundred pounds in a year with mm-hmm. intermittent fasting. And so for me, it wasn't that I was more of just a consistent 
you know, gradual weight loss, um, 50, 60 pounds over 18 months, um, which is still a lot of weight, but it didn't come off overnight. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what um, I noticed in addition to consistently losing weight with intermittent fasting, uh, improved energy, improved cognition, uh, sleep improved. Mm. So several other health benefits just besides um, losing weight. And I totally agree with you. Um, You know, losing weight is not a... um, or inability to lose weight has nothing to do with like willpower or anything like that. Um, I mean, you know, I would consider myself a fairly intelligent person and Mm -hmm. I had difficulty losing weight. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's not, uh, you know, I think there's several things that go into it, but for me, at least with the food choices that I had, um, looking into obesity medicine more, I learned how some of the foods that we eat stimulate like cravings and things, you know, and, and can kind of throw your hormones and satiety signals out of Mm -hmm. whack. And so you think that just by, um, doing X, Y, Z, that's going to correct everything where it's really, you know, the intermittent fasting helped me to kind of reset my hunger cues and to really Mm -hmm. realize when and when I wasn't hungry. And then I think just that led into me wanting to learn more about, well, what type of foods are actually setting me off? Do you know what I Mm -hmm. mean? And and just kind of, you know, made me dig deeper. So I think that intermittent fasting kind of just opened my eyes more to um, what our food can do for us using food as medicine. Because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when I do, uh, when it is my eating window, I want to make sure I'm eating something nutritious so that I'm not just fasting off, you know, Mm -hmm. a, a quote unquote bad meal. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's get let's get into it. Um, you know, what, let's explain to the audience uh, what is like the basics um, definition of intermittent fasting, and then you know, there's also many different categories of fasting. I mean, I'm sure there's probably a billion and one you know ways of doing it, but I think there's like a 16 eight hour window. Mm-hmm. There is like a five day on two day off. There's many different kinds. So do you mind just going into like a basics one-on-one in terms of for the audience members? Yes. And so, I mean, you're correct. There are so many ways to fast and you'll see so many different definitions, but just basically if we take it back to just the core, right? Fasting just involves a period of time where you're not having caloric intake. And I'd like to mention non-caloric intake. Like if you're saying, again, I'm drinking a diet, um, pop or soda or something like that, that would break your fast. So just Mm -hmm. at its very purest form, uh, consumption of nothing but water. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that would be, um, your fast. Now you can do it for different periods of time. You have, um, 
what some people consider time restricted eating, where if you're not fasting for, you know, over 12 hours, but say you're just fasting between meals. So say you decide that you want to have breakfast and then you're not going to snack at all again until you have your late afternoon lunch. You know, you can fast in between meals Mm -hmm. um, or you can have what is more popularly known. I think in the media, like um, you were talking about like the 16, eight. So that is 16 hours of fasting with an eight hour eating window. So you mm-hmm. can either break it up and think in terms of like, how long do you allow yourself to eat over the course of a day? So do mm-hmm. you open mm-hmm. your window at X amount of time and you stop eating by this time? Or you can, mm-hmm. you know, think of it as your fasting period. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that that's kind of where people um, start off. You had mentioned about like the five, two. So what you were talking about was that a, a popular people call it the five, two, where you pretty much eat normally, however you eat for five days, and then you have two days of either um, fasting or a modified fast where you'll consume anywhere from like, you know, usually about 500 calories uh, per day for two days. And Mm -hmm. that's a a modified fast. So that's like Mm -hmm. the five two um, diet. You can have circadian based fasting where you just fast for sun up to sun down. So the premise behind all of these is just trying to give your body um, a period of time to be in the post absorptive state where your body is not having to, um, digest food so it can focus on renewal and repair. I mean, that's Mm, kind of like mm -hmm, the simplest mm -hmm. form because when you're eating, then your body has to direct activity to do some of those cellular processes and Mm -hmm. and getting your food to the right place Um, versus when you give yourself a break, your body Mm -hmm. can focus on self-renewal, self-healing and some of those things, which we used to naturally do. I think that's what people forget. You know, Mm -hmm. we now are in a state where we have all these disease of modern society mm-hmm, where the, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of them are diseases of convenience right now mm-hmm. you can eat until 10 or 11 p.m at night right because we have electricity well mm-hmm. think about before electricity when it was dark you weren't eating anymore you had sleep mm-hmm. i mean you can't mm-hmm. see you can't eat in the exactly dark. right and so there i were, mean you could try you, you could, could try, try. It's like, where's the moon? (laughs) Right. And then the the bear, the lion may get you because you came out of your (laughs) Yeah, you're like, ah, damn it. (laughs) Right. So, you know, good luck. Yeah, maybe in the next lifetime I'll try it again. (laughs) Exactly. So it's like there, there were kind of our bodies, if we think about it, evolved around the sun and just natural light, dark cycles and processes that we have kind of gotten out of because now we have all of these modern um, conveniences. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. just because they're convenient, it doesn't necessarily mean that was the way the body was designed to work. And so that's that's basically the premise. When you take it back and you actually give yourself time, even if you just split the 24-hour day, 12 and 12, you would be surprised how many of us don't go a 12-hour period without eating. Mm-hmm, like just, mm-hmm. just, just a 12 hour period. If you did sun up, sundown, yeah. um, you know, and just starting with that, um, is, is a great place to start just for general health benefits. Even if you're not trying to lose weight just for general health benefits. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many points to this. So I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, man has existed very, very long before the light bulb was created, you know? And so humans have, you know, have always, 
you know, their internal clocks, you know, their sleeping cycles, you know, the, you know, when melatonin would spit out, you know, that is, is basically in line with whenever we had light, uh, whenever we had, you know, sunlight, the wavelengths hit us. And whenever it's sundown, you know, the cycle, you know, it knows to kind of go in this ebb and flow. Um, and when, when the light bulb hit, it's, uh, it just threw us off, you know what I'm saying? So, and we're up a lot longer. So, um, but it's interesting because I find, I find fasting, intermittent fasting, um, different forms of fasting interesting because, um, you know, we do talk a lot, you know, through the science and nutrition in terms of what we eat and, you know, the quality of foods and different food groups and, um, but we never have really, really talked about frequency of eating, you know, and we haven't really, really dwelled into, um, how often we eat, you know, and, you know, as much as we do now, you know, um, and I, I really like when you said that, you know, your digestive system, you know, needs to go through a pair, uh, needs to go through a phase of repair and renewal. And, um, how I explain this to patients is it's kind of like, your GI tract is kind of like, you know, a, a, a one man show, right? And next to it, they have a gigantic funnel, right? And there's a gigantic funnel. There's a lot of paperwork that's get thrown into the funnel and it comes out the other end. And this guy is just working and filling out paperwork at the same rate, right? But if you put more stuff in the funnel, it's not like he's going to work faster. <laughs> like it's <laughs> right. the same rate, it's the same rate. So right. meaning like things get backed up, things yeah. get congested, you know, it's like you're, it, I, I, I like to, you know, think of it as like, you know, your GI tract doesn't get a chance to process, you know, everything, you know, it's eaten over time. And, you know, I, I would say that, you know, the three times a day is kind of like a societal creation. I don't think there is actual good hard evidence to say like, you know, three times is like the best, you know what I'm saying? And Correct. not only that, it's, um, you know, we graze in between, we snack, you know, we emotionally eat. So just think about how many times a day, you know, we're eating all the time. Right, exactly. And it's, if you just think about it, you know, um, the concept like breakfast is the most important meal of the day and et cetera. I mean, again, if we uh, rewind and just go back a few generations, if you were on the farm, you know, say that you had to tend to the land or whatnot, you probably were not getting up, having a big meal and then going to do your charge, chores. You were probably getting up, doing chores first, you know, before it got too hot then coming back in. So you probably were up for two, three, four hours before you ever even had a meal. Mm -hmm. Then you came back, had your meal, right? And then mm -hmm. you probably went back outside or went back to wherever your place of employment did work. You um, And then maybe had another meal several hours later. So this, this concept where um, we need to eat frequently, again, that is something that's just more recent, you know, that, that hasn't always been kind of how we, we processed. And there's this, um, process called autophagy where, mm -hmm. um, you, it's, ba that's basically when our, it's our housekeeping function. It's how our body removes damaged proteins, et cetera. Well, you can really only increase autophagy in periods where nutrients are, um, scarce, and mm -hmm. 
if nutrients are never scarce because we're eating all the time, this is some of the theory behind why we're seeing increased rates of um, Alzheimer's or dementia or some other diseases like that, where you have different protein buildup because you're not giving your body that time to regularly mm-hmm. renew itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that was discovered by a Japanese, was it a biologist or like a biochemist? Um, and he actually won the Nobel Peace Prize for that. For his yeah, work. yeah, Yosunori. Yep. He yeah. um, described it um, and actually really characterized it very mm-hmm. well. So, you know, and there's some misconceptions with that pro- whole process of autophagy. You'll hear people talk about either it's completely on or off, but we know from his work and the work of others that autophagy is going on at a basal level all the mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. but it's just, are we increasing it enough to actually keep us healthy or is it just putting out fires until mm-hmm. we can't put out fires mm-hmm. anymore? Do you know what I mean? And then that's when mm-hmm. we get disease. So um, shifting gears a little bit, you know, where, where, where are the popular, you know, if we're talking about intermittent fasting um, right now, we're focusing on that. Where are the popular, you know, uh, perceptions of what people are using it for versus what is the latest, you know, research says that it's actually working, you know, uh, you know, beneficially for? So I think mainly when you hear about it still, it's, it's for weight loss. I mean, I think that's, probably the number one thing people come to intermittent fasting for the weight loss. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will stay with the intermittent fasting though, because of how they feel and Mm. the health benefits after they have become um, intermittent fasters. So um, for instance, there was just um, an article out. Oh, I want to say it was just this week. It came across my, uh, what is it, Medscape or whatnot, that it was in the Journal of Cell Metabolism that talked about intermittent fasting um, and the eating, win- or I'm sorry, the fasting window was 14 hours. So mm-hmm. it wasn't anything extreme. It wasn't, you know, days on end. Right. And they did a 12-week trial and basically found that people improved their um, blood pressure, they lost um, on average about 12 pounds in those 12 weeks. They improved their lipids. You know, mm-hmm. these are all things that many of us, whether we're overweight or not, can benefit from. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had studies in um, normal weight individuals, again, showing increased uh, um, improved lipid uh, profiles and metabolic mm-hmm. parameters just with um, intermittent fasting. So, mm-hmm. um And they're starting to get into more of the cancer research as well. Um, There's a lot of cancer research actually going uh, going on out um, around your way where they're looking at um, applying intermittent fasting protocols prior to chemotherapy Mm -hmm. um, and showing that patients are... um, uh, reporting reduced side effects of uh, chemotherapy. Um, so, I mean, there, there's a lot of other um, benefits to going on to, that go along with it aside from the weight loss. Right, right. And, and I want to, and, and if you can clarify, we're, when we're saying fasting, we're not, we're not saying starving, right? Because Correct. it sounds like, you know, because it sounds like for the most part, you know, if you're really, really defining it well, it's, it's a, it's the window of when or when not, you know, you're eating, you know, and it's just a change, a modification of that window of time, right? 
Correct. Correct. And I think the reason that you will hear so many people say, oh my gosh, you're doing, you're starving yourself. It's just because <laughs> we, it's, it's just how our mindset is, right? Again, we're yeah. in a society where we're used to eating every few hours. All the time, so if yeah. you're not <laughs> doing that, then people think that you're starving. But I remind people that, you know, starving uh, and starvation is the involuntary, right? Like it's the involuntary um, ability to eat. So like you can't eat or, you know, something is going on where you, you want to eat and you, like you're kidnapped or something. Yes. And you you don't have access to food when you're fasting, you can eat whenever you want. You're consciously just choosing not to eat. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, and again, you're not going to, um, you know, let's take it back to surgery. So everyone's comfortable with that. If you're, uh, if you're having surgery and your physician tells you nothing to eat after midnight and your case isn't until 2 p.m., you're not like, oh, my doctor made me starve, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but then you mentioned fasting and someone's just saying, I'm not going to eat after 7 p.m. and I'm not yeah, going to have my yeah. first meal until noon and now they're yeah. starving. Like, yeah. no, they're not starving, right? Yeah, so yeah. Well, e- even the basic word of breakfast, it's break fast. Correct. You know what I'm saying? You're sleeping and you're actually going into a fasting period, but you choose to eat at six or at eight, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and the thing too, for people to realize, if you're interested in trying intermittent fasting is that use your sleep as, as your fasting period, like maximize that. So they go hand in hand, right? Because, um, when you're sleeping again, that's not a time where you really want to spend your night digesting food. You'll hear a lot of people, like when you have GERD issues or, you know, digestive issues or things like that. The first thing the GI doctors will tell you is not to eat two to three hours before bedtime, right? Mm -hmm, Don't eat mm -hmm. two to three hours before you lay down, you know, because then you get the the reflux. And we tell pregnant patients that too, like don't eat two to three hours before you go to bed if you're having reflux problems. Well, mm-hmm. aside from that, not eating two to three hours before um, you go to bed allows a lot of your food to start that digestive process so that you can, again, spend your sleeping time doing other processes of self-renewal. So, I mean, right. it, all, it all goes hand in hand. And um, you if you sleep for eight hours, hopefully, I know many of us don't, but eight hours would be a, a great benchmark to, to try to aim for it for sleep. Um, yeah. I mean, that's eight hours of fasting right there. Right, right, exactly. So, you know, I, the more popular um, schedule is, um, I mean, I personally do a 16-8, you know, intermittent fasting myself. And um, it's not that difficult if you, if anyone is curious to, uh, you know, try it, you know what I'm saying? It's not that much, uh, you know, uh, time period, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, what would you say, um, using your experience in obesity medicine, how would you define, because I get this a lot about, um, you know, being hungry and then they would snack and things like that. So how would you define actual true hunger versus a hunger pang? That's a good question because I think, I think for everyone it's different because some people, you know, you may swear like I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And then it's still not true hunger. But what I typically tell people, um, for myself is if you, especially when you're fasting, if you think that you're hungry, get up and go do something. 
Mm-hmm. Make yourself busy, drink some water, and then go start a task. Mm-hmm. And if by the end of that task, mm-hmm. you're no longer hungry, you weren't hungry when you started the task. Mm-hmm. And those are kind of things, because like when you're truly hungry, you, nothing can, you can't get your mind, you, like you, mm-hmm. you want to eat, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are able to distract yourself um, and then you realize that you're not hungry anymore. So either go work out, go do something. That's why it's, um, easier to fast. I think on busy days, if you have a busy day in the office, mm-hmm. if you're out and about and you have a lot of things to do, um, it almost comes effortlessly because you're, you're focused on the task at hand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot of times we mistake boredom for hunger. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so yeah. that, yeah, I think that's like the easiest way at least to, and then, if, you know, if you're going on and you're like, okay, did that task and I'm still hungry, you know, and then you're feeling like very foggy and distracted or, or whatnot, you know, then go ahead and break your fast. But most people will tell you they feel really well and feel very, uh, an element of mental clarity mm-hmm. while they're doing, while they're intermittent fasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, personally speaking, I've gone as long as even trying like a 72 hour fast. And um, the first maybe like 24 to uh, maybe like in the mid 30 uh, hours, um, very, very difficult. But after a while, you know, once you get used to it, so I'm already used to intermittent fasting. I don't eat breakfast. Um, and uh, I mean, personally, I don't care much for breakfast. <laughs> it saves me time. Yeah, yeah I, it saves me time. I don't have to cook in the morning. You know, it's just a lot of hassle I don't have to uh, deal with. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's actually your hunger, those, those hunger cues don't actually come like after a while, once you get used to it, it, it actually doesn't come anymore. And you actually become, you know, more comfortable, you know, um, it's what I personally experience, what other people um, has said as well. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Um, are there any, uh, next question is, is that what would you say are um, possible either risk um, or certain uh, demographics or patient populations that you would not recommend this for? Yeah, so I definitely think if you're going to start trying any sort of um, intermittent fasting, um, and I should preface this aside from just like your sleeping period, because again, I mean, right, that you technically fast while you're sleeping. So um, pushing it past that, if you're diabetic, you def- especially if you're on medications, you definitely want to um, involve your physician um, because uh, if you're on insulin, right? I mean, mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. you're not eating, someone needs to manage that. Someone needs to tell you what to do with your insulin then during your fasting periods, um, how to change it or whatnot, or you can induce um, hypoglycemia. Yes. Um, and so that that's a big population. Um, yeah, right yeah, there. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
So I think we already mentioned pregnancy. We don't recommend you um, intentionally intermittent fasting. Yes, people miss meals all the time. Just it's life, right? But having like a regular scheduled intermittent fasting, aside from, again, avoiding night eating, not eating right before you go to bed, um, that's not recommended uh, during pregnancy. Um, If you have um, a history of eating disorders, I think you should definitely also um, touch base with your uh, physician before um, undergoing intermittent fasting, just so they can assess and see kind of where you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, because, again, intermittent fasting is not an eating disorder. I've heard that critique of it as well. Um, mm-hmm. But um, if you have a true eating disorder and if you're going through therapy for that, then you may not want to focus on long periods of time restricted eating. Um, mm-hmm. Those are really some of the, um, I think, that biggest populations that either need to consult with your physician first or should avoid um, intermittent fasting. And, and to be clear, you can definitely um, do intermittent fasting as a diabetic, I mean, I work with patients all the time who are diabetic, um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I'm adjusting their medications, right? So, I mean, right. I think that that's the thing. You just, you got to get your um, care provider on board. Yeah, you got to make sure that someone is following you, you know, especially with, you know, the diabetic medications, even some of the orals, um, you know, the medications that you take by mouth, you know, some of the side effects already are hypoglycemia mm-hmm. or hypo or hypo or having low blood sugar. And the biggest thing is the insulin. You know, we don't want for you to not eat and then have a meta, you know, a medication agent to drop your sugars even more, you know, so it could be a very precarious situation. Exactly. Um, I was going to mention too, sorry, just for anyone who mm-hmm. is taking medications in general too, they should talk with their physician because some medications, right, you can't take on an empty stomach. So you just need to review your medication list if you're on them so they can direct you when to take these medications or or when not. Because, you Mm -hmm. know, like um, a a big one that I'll see people like ibuprofen, um, it it always shocks me how many people don't realize you shouldn't take ibuprofen on an empty stomach. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, just having someone to talk to who can review your medication list, I think is just an important if you're going to start intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, I think it's already a full-time job, especially with the, you know, geriatric, uh, ger- uh, geriatric population, um, just with managing medications, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, just a laundry list every single day. Um, so my next question is, is um, in terms of, we talked about, frequency, we're talking about windows of time. Um, what are we supposed to eat, you know, when we're intermittent fasting? Is there a specified, you know, you know, types of food groups? Um, are people, you know, eating more like plants, eating more, you know, animals? Like what, what are we supposed to be eating in your opinion? Yeah. So in my opinion, I think intermittent fasting really works with any lifestyle. And I think that's the big misconception I see, or that's the question I would say um, I get most frequently in my DMs or on Q&As is that 
I'm not keto, so can I still do intermittent fasting? Or will intermittent fasting only work if I'm keto? And so the answer to that is no, intermittent fasting will really work with any type of um, lifestyle. What I encourage people to do in general is focus on eating whole real foods. Mm -hmm. um, Because just as we talked earlier about like the, uh, the processed, like refined sugars, those can induce cravings. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. whether you're um, plant-based or not, I mean, if you're plant-based, you still don't want, um, even though I'm not saying carbs are bad, you still don't want to load up on a bunch of sugary factory foods, right? Because just because it says gluten-free, I mean, a cupcake (laughs) is a cupcake, right? Yeah. We're we're emphasizing whole foods. Yes. And and so, yeah, that's what, no, no, I know you emphasize whole food plant, but that's the, that's a a common misconception I'll see with people is that, you know, they're like, okay, I'm going to decrease my animal products. And then I see what they replace it with. And I'm like, ah, that's not, Mm, that's mm -hmm. not a great substitute. So, um, reach for just whole foods in general. And like I said, you will see success stories, um, where people, um, talk about, you know, I can eat whatever I want during my eating window and I lose weight. And I've seen those and I know people have done that. And, you know, at, at the end of the day to each their own, but I don't think you'll ever go wrong with incorporating more real foods into your diet mm-hmm. and, and decreasing processed foods. That's just my kind of opinion. Mm, yeah, no, I definitely agree. I mean, uh, I usually tell my patients, you know, eat as close to mother nature has attend- intended mm-hmm. for us to eat as possible and uh, can't go really can't go, can't go wrong with that. So, right. Um, Cecily, this has been great. Um, uh, I love learning about how, you know, what makes people thrive, you know, and it seems like, you know, how you've gone through your own health journey and now you're using the education and tools that you've learned, especially with intermittent fasting to kind of guide others. But, you know, what else in your personal life, you know, do you do for you to continue, you know, your, you know, driving energy, you know, and then from there, um, I would love for you to impart three tips um, for our audience members who are curious about intermittent fasting in terms of, you know, three tips on how they can get started. Yes. So I, for me, just personally outside of, um, work or, um, you know, with my own kind of personal studies and things like that, um, I just like, uh, imparting or giving people information on health. I think there are a lot of misconceptions out there. And so what I hope to do is just kind of simplify it. Mm. Um, And, you know, because again, I'm like, health really wasn't this difficult of a concept before industrialization, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we, yes, people did die. Life expectancy was shorter, primarily due to the advent um, or the absence of antibiotics. And so we were dying of, you know, diseases, flu, and still (laughs) flu, depending on the outbreak, but things of that nature. But now, you know, we're dying of diabetes, of diabetes-related complications, like renal Mm -hmm. failure. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. we have a whole new set of things. A whole slew of stuff. Yeah, that 
that didn't really exist before. And we keep talking about how the rates are increasing and increasing. Well, that's because they were low before. And so what my goal really is, is to kind of just look and see how were we living prior to industrialization. And yes, I'm not going to give up all my modern conveniences, but what are the things that I can live without so that I can maximize my health? I think that that's something that it always keeps me curious and um, keeps me kind of wanting to learn more, um, not only for myself and my family, but so that I can share it with other people. Um, in mm-hmm. terms of uh, tips for intermittent fasting, um, my number one tip, honestly, is just just use your sleep and just use the sun. Honestly, like that, if you did nothing else and just started with not eating after sunset or, and I know, well, you know, it's winter now, so the sun sets a little earlier, but Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. sometimes what I'll tell people is to cut off eating by 7 p.m. Because if it gets dark wherever you live by 4 p.m., that may not be realistic for you. So, um, but especially during the warmer months, just follow the sun. Don't eat before the sun is up. And don't eat after it's down. And that is an easy way to start. And then as you get more comfortable with that, then you can extend from there. But some people, especially if you're used to eating um, in in a frequent snacker, you may have the idea that you're going to start off with like a 24-hour fast and you're going to be miserable. Mm -hmm. So just start slow. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing, the next tip is water. Water is your friend. So drink up. Mm-hmm. Drink water mm-hmm. um, for a faster or a non-faster. Like your preferred beverage should all, in my opinion, should always be water. Yes, you'll drink things other than water, but always keep a you know water bottle on hand or something because when you feel hungry or when you're bored or when you're watching TV or whatever, if you reach for that water first, you're going to be less likely to reach for other things. Um, and then the last tip I have is keep a journal and just notice how you feel. Take note of um, just everything, you know, from your sleep since you've started intermittent fasting. How's your sleep quality? How's your energy? Do you feel like you're concentrating more? Just look at all of the other things um, and other benefits you're gaining, especially if you came to intermittent fasting for weight loss. Look at things beyond the scale so you can really Mm. see how your life is impacting because we often get fixated on a number or a dress Mm -hmm. size that we want to to reach, but that's not really what the purpose of all of this is. Like we're not going through Mm -hmm. life just to hit a goal weight. We're going through Mm -hmm. life to maximize our interactions with other people, our life experiences, but sometimes your health can impact or decrease your ability to be able to really maximize those type of experiences. So keep track of all of the other things that you're gaining. And that's going to help you just really enjoy this process rather than it being just a daunting task. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a couple of points, uh, going back to the water, um, you know, when you drink, eat, you can even drink a, uh, grab a couple of glasses and, and down that before you eat, if you want to eat less, because what it does is that it stretches, um, it induces the stretch receptors uh, of your stomach and, you know, you will feel, you know, fuller. Um, and, and I agree with you. It's not about the number, you know, and for the most part, the number is for someone else, right? Because that's how society, 
you know, conditioned us that we have to, you know, look uh, or, or, or be in a certain dress size or, you know, like a certain waist size or something like that. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it's for health. It's for, you know, your body, how to optimize it, how to keep it running. So you can do all this, all these other great things in your life, you know, and, you know, I tell people, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a homeless person or a billionaire CEO, like health will still stop you in your tracks, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, so it's super important. Um, Cecily, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, you know, it was a really, really, uh, you know, I really appreciate your knowledge and your dive into this, um, in addition to sharing your story through your personal health journey. For people who are interested in looking you up or learning more about you, where can they find you? Yes. So I am on um, Instagram, Facebook, and my website. It's all the same. It's The Fasting Doctor. So um, the is in it. Sometimes people just search Fasting Doctor, but it's The Fasting Doctor. Um, And I um, post content regularly. Um, I also um, have a coaching program that's starting in December for people who are interested in that as well. Um, Mm. But I um, post stuff regularly, informational articles, stuff like that, just for anyone who's interested in learning more about how intermittent fasting can be beneficial in their life. Okay, great. And uh, we'll definitely put those links into the show notes. Uh, Again, thank you so much for being on the show and taking the time out. Yes, thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Guys, this has been another episode of Thrive Bites. If you enjoy this, please follow us uh, weekly. Um, Stay with us um, every week for a new episode. Thank you, everyone. Hey, guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.